Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. This is episode 19, where we are going to be talking shop. This is the third episode of that mini-series. So we talk about the tools of the trade that help us increase and better our craft and also some of the books that we're reading for fun. Sarah, what's the what's your tool of the month for this month? So this month I thought I'd talk about the Creative Pen podcast by Joanna Penn. So I've mentioned her several times on our podcast because I have been listening to a lot of her podcasts. It's probably the main one I listen to. Joanna Penn writes thrillers under her under the name J.F. Penn, which are usually centered around religious artifacts. Um, she also writes a variety of nonfiction books on writing and the business side of being an author. Um, and she writes those books under Joanna Penn. So she's been hosting the Creative Pen podcast since 2008. So it's pretty well known. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> and still going strong. So certainly a big, a big name in the world of self-publishing at the very least. But, yeah. you know, she's well known by traditional authors as well. But she's sort of bases it loosely around the topic of self-publishing your work. Um, she doesn't tell you how exactly. So if you're looking for the ins and outs of exactly how to do it, there are better resources out there. But yeah. it is a good place to keep abreast of all the changes happening in the publishing world in both traditional and self-publishing mm -hmm. and how that affects self-publishing. So she interviews quite a wide range of authors on their books, um, usually nonfiction writing resources, and about their processes. It sounds real interesting. I've never listened to her podcast before. Is it just her? She does. Usually she will do an intro of like an update of her own writing life, which is just her and about any changes that might have happened within the last week or changes that she foresees coming soon. Right. And then she'll usually do, and that usually lasts like the intro about half an hour, and then she'll usually do about a half hour interview oh, okay. with sort of voices in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those interviews are quite wide, like a wide variety of topics. Like some will be on craft, some will be with companies who do like self-publishing or some might be, you know, people's experiences of how they found their journey self-publishing and the nonfiction work that they've done, things like that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Were there any particular interviews that were really interesting? There are a couple that I was going to mention. Because she's been running the podcast since 2008, there's really there's tons of really good content to get through. Yeah. But one episode from 2017 that really piqued my interest was with Ingram Spark. So for those of you don't, who don't know, Ingram Spark is a company who are largely known for their print-on-demand services, but they're also a, quite a wide-reaching book distributor. So yeah. you still have to do all the marketing. Like it's not just your books aren't going to magically appear in bookstores or in the library without marketing. But yeah. 
you have the ability of getting your book into bookstores and libraries because they um, do wholesale discount prices and they just take it off right the like so you you know you set in a set price for your book to be printed at and then you say oh I'm going to do a I think it's about a 40 percent 40 to 60 percent discount for wholesalers and so that just minuses off so you you only see like the the stuff that's coming in like it just automatically gets deducted but yeah I found it really interesting it's cool that's quite a good concept I guess for for self-publishing yeah I mean Amazon does kind of do that too with their create space and but the thing wasn't really going to talk about this because it's quite a big topic (laughs) but the reason why I'm so interested in Ingram Spark is because Amazon if we go into self-publishing we're probably going to be having a company that's New Zealand based and Amazon unfortunately when they do their payments they only to New Zealand they will only do a wire transfer or a check they will not do electronic fund transfer Uh, and so that means that every time you receive payment, then you're going to have to pay probably like a $15 fee to your bank, right? depending on your specific bank's fees and depending on how big the check is that's mm-hmm. coming in. You know, like looking at it, it's like, well, that's not very maintainable if you're paying like $15 every single time for every single payment. So I started looking at other options and Ingram Spark do payments to like they don't work in the New Zealand currency but they do do payments through PayPal and PayPal has a lot like the fees for that is a lot less than if we were to do it through through Amazon so right. that's why I've been quite curious that. about that yeah. um even like because they are mainly known for their print distribution but they also do do ebook distribution as well I'm not quite sure most people don't use the ebook distribution because they'll distribute through Amazon they'll distribute themselves through Kobo and Apple and all the other things but I'm thinking that might be an option for us we'll see we'll see have to do a bit more research sounds really interesting to look into it so another interview that I really liked was about how to write emotion and depth of character Mm -hmm. where Joanna interviewed Becca Puglisi and Becca Puglisi and Angela Ekman wrote the book, The Emotion Thesaurus, which basically gives a whole list of actions characters might use to portray their feelings. Oh yeah, (laughs) that sounds really helpful. It does sound really helpful and it is on my wish list of things to get (laughs) because it would be really nice to be able to look at, um, you know, oh, my character's feeling angry and then look at like a different range of options of how I might show that. And then, you know, you still need to relate it to your character. So you need to um, sort of integrate those actions. Like you can't just like, you know, copy paste. Yeah. But I think it's a really cool idea for expanding your emotive vocabulary, I guess. Definitely. (laughs) In terms of actions and showing, not telling. Such a good idea. Yeah, they do um, some other theosauruses as well. Like I think they do one on like character traits. And I actually think I may have looked at this one from the library at one point, but I didn't really, at the point, like Dan 
got it out from the library and I kind of like flicked through it and I didn't really pay too much attention to it but then now I'm like oh yeah hang on a second I think that was from these authors yeah maybe that would have been really helpful yeah I found it quite interesting that they actually do um so Becca Puglisi and Angela Ackerman they're both collaborative authors as well um co-authors oh, yeah. and they write young adult fiction and historical fiction just like we do when I say oh we've got some yeah, <laughs> doppelgangers or something <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're their doppelgangers, I guess, since they've probably been in it a lot more longer than us. Yeah. But it's a bit weird. I was just like, hey, that's like, funny. Oh, all right. They do the exact <laughs> type of, yeah. Anyways, just a random fun fact. But yeah, so other things about the Creative Pen podcast, coming back to the Creative Pen. Joanna Pen is also very interested in how future technology might affect the life of a creative entrepreneur, which is important to think about if you're headed on a more long-term journey as an author. Mm-hmm. I actually listened to a really interesting one just yesterday about where she sees and the future of sort of technology and integration with writing. Okay. And they were talking all about, she was having a discussion with, I can't remember who it was, unfortunately, <laughs> but they were talking all about the possibility of having virtual bookstores and you know those gaming goggles that you can get oh like the vr yeah that put you in the virtual reality they were talking that apparently apple is going to be coming out with some of that stuff in the near future and that people were beginning to use it for things like hosting virtual events and so they were envisioning a world to join a pen and this i should probably just quickly look it up yeah, so it was Lynn Edgerly. Lynn Edgerly. Okay, what does he do? So he's really interested. He has a podcast himself, and he's really interested in apparently a nonfiction author with degrees in business and poetry. He hosts the Kindle Chronicles podcast, uh, where he's interviewed some big name authors like Margaret Atwood, Dean Koontz, and Jeff Bezos. I'm probably saying all these names wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> I think you people. said it right. <laughs> um but yeah so they were having a discussion about virtual realities and the options for the future and how even like just we're talking over zoom at the moment um that kind of thing in the future we might put on our headsets and be on a place of our choosing maybe on like some beach somewhere oh that'd be exciting just having a chat with each other with our avatars (laughs) i was like oh my god this is so cool. I really want this future. I mean, it sounds very ready, ready player one-ish. Um, it does. Just describing it. But I was thinking about this. I was like, well, it does sound like ready player one. I, I would be quite excited about a future that involves technology in that way. I think it could be hmm. quite, quite fun. Yeah. Quite cool. <laughs> I'm not concerned that machines are going to take over creative jobs or anything like that. I think as she says, we need to learn how to work with technology and work with machines. And so, yeah, find that quite an interesting part of the podcast to listen to is where things are headed in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a really good podcast. I might have to give it a go. Yes, there is a lot of episodes to get through. I think she has at the moment, because episodes drop off from the back of the list every week as she adds right new ones she's got at the moment she's got down to like 2017 and then if you want to listen to any more then you can pay to become on patreon to become a patron and then you get access to her backlist and 
So maybe when I run out of episodes, I may end up doing that. (laughs) I kind of listen to them from the back going forward. So at the moment I'm in 2018's episodes, but (laughs) then I'm also listening to 2020 at the same time because I want to stay abreast of the changes. Yeah. And then hopefully eventually I'll catch up. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. So what was your tool of the month, Ashley? So I also picked a podcast again for my tool of the month. Our podcasts are about podcasts. I know. Well, <laughs> I um I wasn't going to pick a podcast, but for about a week I I go through phases where I listen to binge listen to things. And yeah, I found too. I found myself binge listening to the Career Author podcast, which is hosted by Zach Bahannon and Jay Thorne. Who I should point out Joanna Penn has also collaborated with. So oh, cool. Both of them. <laughs> Anyways, continue. No, I will continue. So they they write post-apocalyptic and dystopian sci-fi fiction. Uh, and they have this podcast, which is all about transitioning your life to becoming a full-time author. So they have done a lot of self-publishing and they all originally had day jobs. And I guess... I didn't, I didn't listen to things in order, but I, I think they eventually met both were in the same life stage and both ended up leaving their jobs to pursue writing full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast covers a lot about, you know, the art of craft, finding your audience, and a lot about navigating the world of self-publishing, which has been quite interesting because it goes through a lot of the tactics they've used. And there's even one episode where they, so one of them, had released a book like through self-publishing and they basically mm-hmm. talked through the first I think it was 60 days starting before they released it and then once they released it and all the different strategies they used and how it helped what ones worked and what didn't work which I found quite interesting uh, but there were a lot of helpful episodes that I listen to as I have said before I don't really listen to them in order I kind of just looked through the list and decided what yeah. I felt like listening to it at the time. So they're very sort of jump around and from all different, all different times. Yeah, definitely understandable. Yeah. I used to do that with, with the creative pen, but then I ended up discovering that even the ones that I didn't think that I was going to gel with, or I was like, that's not real, like relevant. Yeah. They had pieces in it that I was actually quite interested in. So now I'm just doing it all in order, but I totally understand jumping around because, you know, you only have so much time Yeah, and there's so much out there. You never know what you're going to, if you're going to like a podcast or not, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've listened to a few episodes. A couple that I found really helpful were The Golden Age of Independent Publishing and also a very sim- in a similar vein, The State of Independent Publishing in 2020. Those two were mm-hmm. really helpful because they were very relevant talking about right now what self-publishing yeah. is like because a lot of resources you find are a bit older or not up to date or you know yeah whatever so that was really interesting and they also were postulating where indie publishing was going to go in the future and an interesting point that they were making was obviously we want to self-publish so we know a lot about it but the number of people that are like us and actually know that self-publishing exists is really small. And the same with people yes. who buy self-published books too. Like a lot of people don't even realize that they're self-published or whatever. Well, because it's to such a professional standard these days that as a buyer, 
you know, you get these covers that are professionally designed by self-publishers. And so you mm-hmm. may not necessarily know the difference between it unless you specifically look it up, right? Yeah, exactly. And I guess if you carry on from that, there's such a large proportion of the world, one that is even unaware of ebooks to start with, or have yeah. very limited access to like ebooks at all. So it was sort of talking about once these people become aware of it how much room to grow the field has so I found that really really interesting very thought-provoking yeah there's definitely a lot of areas in the world like I think India is a big one that's a market that's supposedly going to to grow yeah China to an extent I think although it depends on you know they've got all those specific rules around yeah yeah so it depends on that but yeah there's certainly room for growth in the future. And even my friends and people that I know that are still like, I'm not so sure about eBooks or I, you know, I don't know. Mm. It's still, there's not a lot of people that even actively read them. If that makes any well, sense. Even audiobooks, audiobooks has been growing hugely over the last little while. Like personally, I don't listen to audiobooks because I find, I don't like the narration I find it really hard to gel with all the voices right although that you know in saying that in the future sort of one of the things that's been explored is that whether you could select like with AI development whether you could select a specific accent from Mm. which might make it more palatable to you yeah but I find that yeah it alters the way that I like I'd usually read it differently and then if so if I'm listening to it I don't take it as seriously and I don't get quite as involved in the book Mm -hmm. because there's this weird narration going on in my ear that makes me laugh yeah (laughs) so it'll be like the most serious topic and then I'll be cracking up laughing at this weird narration (laughs) people putting on voices yeah but yeah audiobooks are growing too and a lot of people don't even think about that even yeah I'm a I sometimes listen to audiobooks James listens to a lot of a lot of audiobooks because he has quite he has quite a long commute where he drives in so mm-hmm. instead of podcasts he listens to his audiobooks I think it also helps because it takes him a long time to read normally because he's dyslexic so I think it's probably easier to listen to like non-fiction audiobooks yeah it's he listens to we've been listening to history of everything uh, a lot of those Stephen Fry ones ah uh, yeah like Oh, heroes and the Greek god one, Mythos. <laughs> and then James loves Lee Child, so he also will occasionally listen to those. But yeah, I like them. I don't know. I prefer podcasts when we're traveling or just music, mm-hmm. but I can see the benefit of, of um, Yeah, no, audiobooks. definitely. I listened to one over Christmas and while I was, you know, getting Christmas dinner ready and things because it takes so long. And it was really nice. Like I really enjoyed being able to do something while listening to a book. But yeah, I'm not sure I can get past the voices at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) You get kind of used to it, but it's it's a bit weird. I don't know that it's for me because I just get too distracted by Yeah. I both read and listened to Ready Player One. So I was reading the novel and James had the audiobook. And that was actually quite good because it's in first person and they have, my gosh, what's the actor's name? I think it's Will Wheaton who does the narration. And because it's a first person one, 
it's only his voice that you hear so it actually feels really natural because like we were talking about in our point of view episode on our podcast it's like someone telling you a story so the first person worked really well for the audiobook but yeah I know they're they're all right sorry we're talking like this whole audiobook tangent um (laughs) it's fine so another going back to the career author podcast another episode that I found very interesting was one that was called Pursuing the Traditional Publishing Path. And it was them talking about their, you know, attempts at accessing (laughs) traditional publishing streams and whatnot. And basically the reasons why they were going for it as well, which I thought was interesting because they're quite successful self-publishing. So they're like, why do you want to get traditionally published? So that was quite thought-provoking about why people want to go down that path in the first place that sounds very interesting. it was and how they were kind of saying that you know you don't decide to either do self-publishing or traditional publishing you either decide to self-publish or decide to try and pursue traditional publishing <laughs> that makes any sense <laughs> yeah that's true I found that really funny and relevant I think it does depend a lot on what type of project yeah that you have yeah. to pick yeah so that was interesting. Oh, and one of them had just submitted one to a bunch of agents. I think he'd sent it to 13 or so. And he, he was like, I have five no replies, six no's, <laughs> and one that said they'd get back to me by the end of the year. I was like, I feel you. <laughs> and then sometimes you get like a response that's like, I don't know, five or six months later. Yeah, like, oh, okay. like, oh, I'd cast you off like a long time ago. <laughs> You didn't need to respond. <laughs> um, and the last episode that I found incredibly interesting was called Don't Start a Series Until You Can Answer These Two Questions. And <laughs> the two question, well, the two points were making sure you roughly know how your series will end, even if it's just this character dies or the war end, you know, like something. So it's not going to go yeah, on forever yeah. to kind of help you think about you know, the books in between that need to happen. And then also making sure your series, they say, has an overarching decision that every character in the world has to eventually make. And I thought that was a good point, though, as well. Uh, making, I guess, making sure your world has, like, you know, one big issue. It's not just this one random thing happening mm. on the side that you're trying to stretch out over 20 books. I think they wanted to do, like, a 10-book series, and I was like, that's a lot of books. But no, it'd be more like, I think their example was in Star Wars... It's whether they want to join, you know, the Rebel Alliance or the Empire mm-hmm. <laughs> or that kind of thing. Like what side are they on? Yeah. And everyone in the entire world has that issue that they have to face. And then yeah. I, was, I was thinking about our teen fiction. We have the exact same thing. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, we have covered we do those have it. Two. Yeah. That's good. I was like, yeah. <laughs> the same for our current one if yeah. our world is our city. So I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting to... <laughs> go through that mental exercise (laughs) yeah anyways they are also collaborative authors as well which I found very interesting because there's a lot in their backlog of podcasts about how they deal with it and how they work together and they work very differently to Sarah and I which I also found really interesting because they write one writes the first draft and the other edits behind them which I found very Mm -hmm. very interesting and they're saying that, you know, it's playing to their strengths. Like one prefers to write a first draft and the other enjoys the editing and like crafting process. So that's how they do it. Whereas obviously Sarah and I write different chapters. So it's just different. It was interesting. 
Um, anyways, I was going to say we should probably move on to what we're reading yes. this month. What's your? I was going to say the same thing. What's your book <laughs> for this for this month? Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> my book for this month is It by Stephen King. It's a big book. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> No, so after reading Saw Kill Girls, I became kind of curious about horrors. And I was like, hey, maybe I should read an adult horror book. Of course, where would you start with adult horrors if not with Stephen King? So I have to admit, I haven't read many Stephen King books. I've read Randomly Under the Dome because I think I... I think I actually read the book before the series came out or as the series came out. I can't remember which it was. I think I saw it in a bookshop and was like, hey, that looks good. It's massive, but who really cares? And so I read that one. It was all right. Probably not his best work. And then as a teen, I read a few gunslinger novels. But apart from that, fairly naive to Stephen King's works. And obviously I've read on writing. Yeah. But yeah, that's entirely sort of different. So anyways, I loaned out um, this book, It, from the library because I was like, well, that sounds like a quite a horror-esque one. If anything, It. like, Have you, you watched know. the movie? No, I have not. <laughs> anyway, so I went to the library to pick up this book. It's curbside delivery at the moment. Got the bag from <laughs> the curbside delivery and was like, whoa, that's heavy. <laughs> open it up and I'm like oh my gosh I am never gonna be able to finish this in three weeks (laughs) you have to be kidding me especially with the other books I've got on the go I was like this isn't this isn't happening yeah but I did try (laughs) I've I've started it I'm about three chapters through didn't grab me from the outset um I mean the first sentence was like I was like well yes you can tell he's hooked like done the first sentence hook thing because it felt very but yeah so I've started it and I feel like in the midst of chapter three I've started getting into it a bit more yeah um, I think because he kind of grabs you a bit more by the way he describes the character's dread in such detail before they're even aware that something has happened so I think that's a big part in creating the tension in the book but also yeah, it uses the omniscient point of view, which I found quite interesting. I was like, oh, this is how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like dialogue, but, you know, like you start with the character and the action and then like as a new paragraph and then like segue into their thoughts. But I was still like, yeah, I'm never going to probably write it myself. But it was very interesting to read and realize that this is how he's doing it. I'm too afraid yeah. to read it. I watched the movie and I, I really don't like horror. It terrifies me. <laughs> and I I managed to get through the movie. I have not braved it too because I couldn't bring myself to do it. I can't watch scary movies, but I can read scary novels. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to read it. And I know my, my brother-in-law tried to read it and said he was absolutely terrified. So I'm like, I think I'm just going to stick Ooh. with the stand, which is so far all right. <laughs> Well, we'll see how I go. You have to let me know. (laughs) Might come back in in the future and be like, yeah, I'm never going to read a horror again. I don't know. We'll see. I think I should be okay. I'm sure you'll be fine. May not be a before bed book. No. We'll see. (laughs) Depends how much you like clowns, I think. (laughs) 
So what have you been reading? I was about to say, I'm reading, I think about as opposite of a book as you can probably get to it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading, I actually don't know how to say this title. I've been trying to practice and I have no idea. So I'm going to go with (laughs) it. The Penelope Ad by Margaret Atwood. Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) So it is way outside of the realm of books I would usually read unintentionally but it I yeah it's a novella to start with I don't often read novellas I also didn't know it was a novella when I got it it's also the first book by Margaret Atwood that I've read um I haven't even watched Handmaiden's Tale or or read it so I don't really know much about her writing style and I was only reading it because I was wanting to compare within the genre of historical fiction and in particular books that are set in ancient Greece so this novella tells the story of Odysseus which is told through the eyes of his wife Penelope which is fine so that's the blurb that I read I'm like sounds good to me (laughs) start reading it and first thing it's first person I'm like okay got it first person very Mm -hmm. very clearly first person and very quickly you also learn that she's reminiscing from beyond the grave and she's in I don't even not Hades but she's on the other side of the river Styx basically with a whole bunch of other Greek gods and things Right. Which is a bit odd because she's sort of (laughs) dead but reminiscing about the things that happened in her life and now she knows more about it because she's dead so sees different perspectives or something, which is good. It's structured like a classical Greek drama. I don't know if you've ever read any Greek dramas. No, I have not. Some of them, they're very very tragic. So I, I did a paper at university about Greek tragedies. So... It reads similar to that, like the acts. and th- Well, it's not in acts, but you can tell that she structured it in a certain way. Right. To add to the bit that I wasn't expecting, um, so it alternates between Penelope's first-person storytelling from after she's died and choral commentary by her 12 maids in song form. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, so... After every chapter, every two chapters, there's a musical interlude by her 12 maids. <laughs> and so I struggled a bit. I actually had to look this up because the first song, I, I'm not good at reading songs. Let's start with that. I really struggled <laughs> to hear the melody in it. So the first one was fine because it was like a jump rope kind of song. So you can follow along quite easily with the rhyming. <laughs> But then the next song wasn't a jump rope That's song. That's hilarious. And so I had to end up, I ended up looking it up. And it turns out every single choral commentary, they call it, is from a different type of verse, like a different style of verse. Okay. <laughs> so they're all different. And I'm not going to lie, I've been struggling to read the songs. I've mostly just skipped them. Because <laughs> they're just commentary on what she's just said. But That's as. Funny. <laughs> Are the songs like did she write the songs or are they songs that are inserted? I believe no, she wrote she wrote the songs. Oh, okay. She wrote the songs. I wonder if she put music to them. So I was gonna grab it. Oh, it's a bit I don't know. So it's like the first part of one of their a jump rope rhyme is what it's called. And it's we are the maids, the ones you killed, the ones you failed. We danced in air, our bare feet twitched, it was not fair. Like it's like that. But some <laughs> of them are obviously more complex. It's a bit strange. Additionally, if any of you listen to our Perspectives podcast, she does also semi-use the second person point of view as well. So she addresses the reader a lot. Um, so it'll be like, I I died, as as you are probably aware. Did you know that I did this? 
or she'll be on the side. She'll be like, you you probably feel the same way sometimes. I'm like, do I? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a bit strange. Yeah, it's weird. It's really interesting though because I could never write a book like that at all. But it's not it's not bad. It's just very different to what I'm used to. And I yes. don't know any other – I've never read any of her other books, so I assume that they're not structured like Greek plays reminiscing from Beyond the Grave in first person and sometimes second person with songs. I would assume so. But, yeah, I've read it in about – oh, I think I've got – 30 pages left nope 60 pages left and I've only been reading it for like two hours so it's quite quick so I'll finish it but yeah it's very different and I have enjoyed the experience I feel like I've learned a lot about different techniques that you challenged your mind (laughs) I should really read the songs but I just can't that's right they're really long some of them are like 10 pages long oh my goodness of song and I and I don't like when I can't find the tune of what the song is so then I try and read it and it's just, just a like strange. make up a random tune <laughs> yes I just grab the guitar strum a couple notes okay <laughs> <laughs> start singing <sighs> like another one I'm sorry it's called a wily sea captain a sea shanty is the name of the song it's like oh wily Odysseus he set out from Troy with his boat full of loot and his heart full of joy. <laughs> For he was a thing's our own shiny eyed boy with his lies and his tricks and his thieving. So I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> that actually uh, segues brilliantly into what we're doing next time on our podcast, I think, because we're probably ready yes. to round this up, do you think? Or Yep. yep. <laughs> so next time it's our main podcast. And we thought we would do something a little bit more lighthearted. As much as we like to think we're getting a handle on our novel writing, there's something that we both struggle in. Yes. And that's poetry. Mm -hmm. Especially we've written quite a few poems from when we were teens. Yeah. Which, looking back on them now, are very cringeworthy and very hilarious. So (laughs) we thought we'd share them and, and... inaugural cringy poetry slam so it's gonna be like a whole podcast of mistakes of the month except in poetry form yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's how I envision this me too because some of them are terrible there's the odd not too bad one I feel in my selection but I have a I have a thing mm. about rhyming and I can never get away from the rhyming. So <laughs> I think I consciously tried to get away from the rhyming and then it just sounds random. <laughs> Anyways, no rhythm whatsoever. So hopefully that will be a relatively hilarious podcast for everyone listening um, at our expense. Yes, I hope so. Anyways, if if you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us on lindersoncreations.com. Or you can contact us through Instagram or Facebook, and that would be also at Lindison Creations. If you liked this podcast and you want to hear more from us, it would help us if you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend about it and subscribe on whatever podcatcher you use. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>